Hello and welcome to the All Things Horror Podcast with me, Amazon best-selling horror author and horror fanatic, Rick Wood, where me and my guests discuss all things horror. Coming up on today's show. I'd lie in bed and hear what sounded like clomping words upstairs. I woke up one night to find um, what can only be described as an apparition. And she's, she's absolutely without doubt. She sent me photographs of the uh, things that just, just blow my mind. Killed her. She, she hacked her to death on the steps, put her body in the boot, and left her in the body, uh, left the body in the boot up there for weeks until the snow thawed. That leads us to the last horror question then real life horror experiences. Yes, I've had a few. <laughs> Tell us about them. Tell us about All right. them. Right, well, one of them was in um, a house I moved into in Grindleford, which was an old mill. So okay. people think it was the, the mill in Father of Lies, Thomas Dalbridge. It, it wasn't. Um, but there were some experiences there where I'd lie in bed and hear what sounded like clomping work boots upstairs, just okay. clomping up and down, up and down, up and down. It would always be about eight o'clock in the morning. My husband had gone to work at least an hour ago and uh, I could hear those boots clomping around and one night the curtain rails started shaking, the, the rings on the okay. curtain, there's nothing to explain it. You get a sudden overwhelming feeling of cigarette smoke. It just felt like a presence there. Didn't always feel frightened except one night and it suddenly felt extremely oppressive and I, I wanted to get out and I actually went outside and just stood outside for a bit. But the worst one was um, was when I lived down in Dorset. I woke up one night to find um, what can only be described as an apparition sitting on the side of the bed. And he was wearing a black Victorian, black Victorian dress, all black. He had a he, black... He was wearing a dress? He. Okay. No, black, I mean, dressed, not... Oh, right, okay. I thought you meant he was wearing a dress. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, uh, garments, black yeah. Victorian... He was dressed in a black Victorian okay. suit. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, right up to the neck, like a priest. And he had very white hair with a widow's peak in the middle. Really, really white and very pale blue eyes. And he was really, really pale. I can still see him to this day. Mm. And um, he was just sitting on the side of the bed. And I thought, no, it's a dream. So I shut my eyes again. I opened them again. He was still there. And then I thought, no, 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 no. This isn't happening. Go away, go away, go away. It was horrible. Mm. Sorry. It was absolutely horrible. Um... When the kitchen was dug into, we found a bottle deep in the foundations of the house. Yeah. And it was the house had been built by a priest or commissioned by a priest. His name was Thomas. Now, the girl I was telling you about earlier, who I said was clairvoyant. Yeah. She told me before that what his name was. So, yeah, I've had a few, right. few odd experiences. What I find interesting is... How ghosts, when people see them, always dressed in Victorian clothes. Are there no kind of recent ghosts, you know, <laughs> um, wearing a suit or something? I don't know. Don't know. Um, but it was de it's what I saw. Interesting. Yeah, um, I'd say he, he was a priest and it did look, it did look yeah. Victorian. It could have been earlier. When you researched, you found out his name was Thomas. Did you find anything else about him? No. We, there was, it, inside the bottle, there was um, a newspaper you know one of the huge huge yeah. broadsheets um and there was also um a sort of declaration to say that they wanted to mm. build that house and it said things like we must arise we must all arise at once and build with, with you know 
blah 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 and, and it was dated and it was signed by him so he had commissioned the building of that how, okay. that Methodist chapel which was a Methodist chapel wow it's, it's strange that it happens to you more more than once then that than one house then another house I've had a few I've had a few there's another one and, and it's really really odd and it's it does sound daft and I know people listening might even laugh about it but I had a, a lovely little dog who died and mm. I was thinking of the dog and suddenly all the, the lights started flashing on and off. I can't explain why. Okay. Just had things like that. I've had all sorts of things like that. <laughs> oh, so I had something like that. Uh, obviously, before, before we started uh, start recording, I, I let you know that I'm an atheist and don't, don't particularly believe it. I just wish that I had something that could convince me so much. Well, how do you explain, for example, I mean, I'm going veering sort of quite quickly now away from um, exorcisms and demonology and I'm going further into sort of black arts and witchcraft and look. the book I'm doing now is, is, is looking much more at that with the help of a real traditional witch. But I've always been drawn to sort of exploring more and more um, mm. about what they do, why they do it, what results they get, and it's quite incredible. Um, for example, how would you explain that if you do something like the tarot cards, which I do, mm. just for myself, I'll do the tarot cards, I'll get three cards, they make absolute sense to me. I'll shuffle them madly, over and over and over again for at least two, three minutes, mm. cut them, I'll draw the same three. Seriously, I did it the other night, and then I did it again. I thought, no, 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 no. It's just this. It couldn't possibly be. They're just cards, you know. I'll deal blah blah. I do it again. I get the same three cards, and I've 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 bounced that off my say my witch, my friend witch, Raven, um, and she's she's absolutely without doubt. She sent me photographs of things that just just blow my mind. Hmm. So, do you actually want me to answer that? Hmm. What I say? Well, God, I don't want to get into a debate about it. Um, but 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 my my answer would be that I can't explain it, but I'm happy that it can't be explained and that I just don't understand it. I and I'm aware I'm accepting that there might be a reason, mm. but I don't know what that reason is. And I just I think if I can't explain something, it doesn't mean it's something else. Mm. It just means I can't explain it, and obviously you might not know what the reason is. And yet. you're happy to stop there. I wish that I could find out the reason. But I'm not going to believe in a reason being there just because mm. it's offered to me. It's when you st- it's when you start to read more. Where if you if you really really go down that route, like I said, I, I've I've done a lot of reading now into witchcraft, into black witchcraft, into traditional witchcraft in particular. Mm. When you really start reading into it, you realise that is what the fascination is. That people that they it is having a look at the other side. It mm. is actually having a look at. The spiritual side and coming back again the risk is insanity of course because you play mm. with that but um it's it's it is fascinating now you're moth to a flame mm. really but it's fascinating stuff and that's what they want to do yeah see i do want to, I, I wish that i could believe in like an afterlife because when you don't believe in heaven you believe when you're dead you're dead isn't it's quite it morbid to think isn't it about nicer it nicer to, to believe I, I choose to believe I think uh, it's, much it's nicer, nicer <laughs> but i can't choose to believe something that really inside i just don't believe in Oh God, I do. Hmm? I do. <laughs> it's a nice, nice thing to believe in. Um, 
So you've you've based quite a few of your your books on these these different mm. uh, places. You've got the Soprano as well that was set in the Staffordshire Moors. Yes. What happened there? Well, Staffordshire Moorlands where all my family come from, mum and dad on both sides, mm. and all my grandparents. So as as kids, we used to go there. Me and my brother used to go there every two weeks. So I feel like I know it really, really, really well. It's kind of where my roots are. There was a story there, my mother's, I think my mother's second cousin, twice removed or something, I don't know, but there's a story there of a soprano. She was quite a, a local celebrity. And um, she was having an affair with um, a married man and met his wife one night. And this is in the absolute depths of winter and right up there on the moors, you, when you got snowed in, you got really snowed in. I mean, several feet of snow. So they were really locked in for weeks. And it's very high up, very wild moorland. She met this man's wife uh, at the beginning of the snowstorm and the wife disappeared, his wife disappeared. Um, it was weeks later when the thaw set in that somebody found mm. a, a car, the rooftop car, at um, um, a building called Malcop, which is like, um, it was a rich man's folly, but it looks like a castle if you look at it from the distance. And she had driven her all the way up there, killed her, she, she hacked her to death on the steps, put her body in the boot and left her in the body, left the body in the boot up there for weeks until the snow thawed. But the interesting thing is she was tiny, she was wearing a full length fur coat and stiletto heels and she walked all the way back across that moorland which is about three miles in a blizzard and several feet deep of snow with bogs underneath her and you know it's mining country mm. as well she walked all the way back like that through the night and one person saw her and it was a shepherd in the shepherd hut up there and he saw her and th thought obviously very unusual wow and she'd left the woman up there in her own car in the boot so is that what the book's about yes. then interesting yes. are, are all of your books kind of based on these real life things that you've researched? No, but they'd be inspired. Mm. So it was inspired by that, but actually it's not so much about that as the feuding families and um, the rather evil matriarch at the, mm. at the top of it, who was a black witch. And she, um, it, it basically brings that together. So mm. the crime is part of it, but actually most of it is the evil sort of vendetta between two families and, and how that pans out. Interesting. And uh, The Owl Men as well is another one of your books. If I'm honest, I see it everywhere, everywhere I look. <laughs> and I, I, on Amazon, and I also target a lot of my advertising kind of against you, oh, I'll be honest right. with you. So I target it a lot. Um, what's The Owl Men about? The Owl Men is in the same village as the Father of Lies trilogy. Okay. But the old mill where the, all the evil happened is bought by a London couple um, for renovation, for a lovely sort of retreat. So this girl, this poor, poor girl, Ellie, she's, she's had a bit of a nervous breakdown. She's a medical rep, so I'm surprised. Mm. Um, she's had a bit of a nervous breakdown. They, they're redoing the, the mill, trying to make it all lovely and swish. And she finds herself um, following a path of witchcraft in a village that is absolutely black with its terrible history. And, of course, it's still going on. There's a legacy there. So she comes very much into contact with the demonic. Um, at the same time, she's trying to, to, to become a um, practice the dark arts. So she's actually a novice witch practicing the dark arts 
in an, an old mill that has a terrible demonic history. Mm. So, of course, she's going to be seriously tormented mentally, emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it's all about. So you have a book coming out on the 28th called Hidden Company. Yes. Um, and what's that book about? Um, okay, this is a slightly new um, uh, tangent for me to take. It's, uh, it's obviously a psychological thriller. Mm. It's set in a Victorian asylum in the middle of Wales. So again, I'm coming back to my mental health background. Mm. But it, this is when asylums were real asylums. Mm. And it was, uh, it, it, she has a pretty horrific time. Um, juxtaposed with that is a 41-year-old who, modern day, moves into the gatehouse to what was the old asylum. Um, she is a spiritual medium, but she doesn't want to be. She's frightened of it. She's terrified of it. But of course, she's really at the end of the road with it and finds that she has no option but to un uncover what happened mm. to these poor, well, these poor girls in this asylum. Um, it also, I've also really, really explored um, uh, the supernatural force known as the Fae, fairies well i think people think fairy stories are fairy stories but the fae actually when you talk to uh, traditional witches are a supernatural force that can be pretty evil mm. um but can also give you very very clear and profound insights and so people do work with them yeah. so one of the characters that i've got in that is a girl who practices witchcraft and we look at the fae and she also practices necro practices necromancy which is something i've never looked at before What's necromancy? That's actually quite different from raising spirits, as okay. in as in um, uh, talking to spirits. Necromancy is where you actually raise a person from the dead. Okay. So they take the graveyard dirt. Um, I have, I have from my my um, trusted witch Ravenwood. I have from her um, really very very old hexes and very very old mm. conjurings from her own grimoire, if you like, and. She has shown, told me exactly how the necromancy would be done and how it would be experienced and what the risks are. So we incorporate that as You've well. You've mentioned this, this witch person uh, a few times. Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about that relationship with her and what, what, yeah. who she is and kind of what that's about? Yeah, definitely. Um, Ravenwood is credited in the, the last three books. Um, she's a traditional witch based in North America, okay. uh, Wisconsin. And she's been practicing uh, witchcraft since she was 13. She's now the same age as me. She's in her, in her 50s. And um, she has really opened up my eyes in terms yeah. of what it's all about and how it works and what the risks are. And her knowledge is profound. So she's helped me, really, really helped me a lot with exactly what herbs are used, what incenses are used, what Latin chants are used, um, mm. how you know, how, how they really work with the dark side, if you like, yeah. and what they believe in. And walking, I, I didn't realise, but sort of walking Widdishins and, and renouncing the church is not renouncing God, it's renouncing all that we've been taught for the last 2,000 years. Yes. Because traditional witchcraft goes back tens of thousands of years. So it's renouncing all that's taught by the Roman Catholic Church in particular which, you know, um, once you get past that, you realise the devil is not as depicted by the Roman mm. Catholic Church. It's what they've shown us the devil looks like. In actual fact, they believe in positive and negative. They believe in light and dark. And they believe yeah. in also working with gods of the darkness as well as, you know, 
uh, as well as the light. So it's very, very interesting, and she's helped me so much. Fascinating. And uh, are you going to have a launch party for this new book? Yep. Um, all being well, because I'm moving house and I'm not quite sure what mm. the date's going to be, but all being well, I'll have a launch party on Friday the 28th. What's that going to involve, the launch party? Uh, it's on Facebook. Um, so it's an event created on Facebook. So mm. I'm Sarah England author on Facebook. And um, <coughs> everyone be invited. What happens is I do some, some samples, some uh, excerpts from the book. Um, we have some competitions, so some people will win some signed copies, um, yeah. and we, it's, it's just lots of competitions, lots of insight into how it was written, what it's about, where it's set, um, people can ask questions, mm. and I'll get guest authors in, I might sort of do a live YouTube reading, okay. that kind of thing, and it's just to let everyone know it's out there. Brilliant. Sounds really uh, interesting, sounds like quite fun and to go between Christmas and New Year's as well to have, have a bit yeah. to break up, break up all the merriment well, I'm hoping, yes let's break the merriment up and give with, with more merriment, merriment I mean <laughs> <laughs> um, and your book covers are really cool yeah aren't they uh, they are Where, how, do you have a book cover designer yes does them for you how, what's the process of working with them um, it's a lady called Gina Dickerson Gina Dickerson uh, Rose Wolf Design she's one of the author's reach girls um, she has her own book her own books which are on the paranormal mm. um, but she is just fantastic with cover designs so she's also a mind reader so I'll tell her what I want. But literally or, or kind of figuratively? I don't know, just spookily. <laughs> spookily is Gina Spooky. Um, so I tell her what I want, what colours, what fonts, what the book's about. And she sends back and forth images. She overlays hundreds of images till we yeah. get exactly what I want. Yeah. And then we do that. But the last one, Hidden Company, the little creature on the front, is actually um, a resin creature created by the artist, the US artist, oh, right. Scott Radker. Wow. So Scott Radker now is quite quite fame up-and-coming artist and mm. he creates these little resin creatures that one's called Kim I've got a picture of her on my wall she's a, w a little witch and um, he very very kindly allowed me to use that and then Gina using her magic incorporated it into a lovely blue ethereal because mm. the book's set in the Welsh forests so it, she's created a lovely mm. ethereal cover for that so it's a collaboration Brilliant. between those two and I always like to ask authors this because it's always quite interesting and quite humorous. What is the most ridiculous customer review you've ever received on Amazon? Oh God, I wish you'd done. I've got loads of those. <laughs> I could have had a look. What's off the top of your head? Can you think of one that's useful? You've um, read and thought, dear God. Can I give you two? Go for it, yeah. All right. One said, I've just downloaded this. I haven't read it yet. One star. <laughs> oh God! Um, I mean, <laughs> another one who'd read the trilogy and then bought the album, which says mm. it's this is a couple buying Tanner's Dell. Her review, one star, was I'm sick of Tanner's Dell. <laughs> Why read it? There are just some idiots out there, aren't there? I know. There are there are loads actually, the, but the one where they said they hadn't read it, did he manage to get that removed? No, of interest. No, no, I've tried. There's quite really? a few. Yeah, there are quite a few like that. I couldn't download this. I've had ones that before, but Amazon are pretty good at getting rid of them. No, we couldn't get rid of it. Really? Yeah. I mean, but I suppose anyone who looks through the customer reviews and sees that will yeah take it as it's as it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> God, 
And this is, oh, it just frustrates me that your livelihood, you yeah. eating, is dependent upon these kinds of reviews. It's more right. It, is, it is my income. And I think, you know, I spent seven or eight months researching and, and writing and drafting three, four times, editing. Mm. I've paid for everything. I get it out there. And sometimes on the first day, um, I can't believe what I've just read. This is drivel one star. And then I'll get a hundred five stars fantastic yeah. please don't ever give up I absolutely loved it and then you'll get another one saying haven't read it yet one star so, so all those f- five stars are brilliant but then get that one star makes you want to mm. quit everything then just for two minutes and some of them are quite nasty oh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. some of them I've actually had nearly two pages worth of yes. critique yes that have absolutely pulled it apart I had someone who said they did they deleted it off their kindle in disgust <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine someone pressing that delete button on their Kindle screen with lots of anger in their pointing. Yeah. But somebody, some people have actually pulled it all apart yeah. uh, in terms of the, the, the plots, the characters, everything. Mm. Just completely decimated it. I had, I had a, one of my characters was looking at, a male character was looking at the bum of a female character he fancied. Mm. And I got called a chauvinist and a sexist. Uh. I mean, doesn't a woman look at a guy's bum? I mean, it's just... It does just, just despair. Yes, it does. Um, it does but I mean, uh, first of all, it's like, it's like I got the Sick of the Sensitives book coming out in January. It's like someone commenting on that and saying, mm. I'm sick of the sensitives. Yeah. Why have you read it then? I know, Why exactly. Have you it? Exactly. It's the wrong book oh, for you. It's bizarre. Right. Where can people find you then if they want to find you online? Oh, find everywhere. out more about you. Everywhere. Um, I've got a website designed by Gina, so it's quite, it's quite um, uh, neat. That's sarahenglandauthor.co.uk. I'm obviously on Amazon. Um, There's Facebook, which is Sarah England Author. So facebook.com, Sarah England Author. There's Twitter, which is Sarah England 16. Um, I'm everywhere, really. You're the 16th Sarah England to be on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. It's just my birthday. Lovely. Yeah. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Sarah. And Thank thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. So there we have it. That was my interview with Sarah England. It's a fascinating interview. It's really lovely to to speak to Sarah here about stuff, some of her influences and uh, things that have happened, have helped with her book. Um, her book is out uh, just after Christmas, I think. So make sure you have a look at that. Um, next episode, we are going to have Caroline Clark, and I'm going to change it now, the format of the show. Instead of doing each interview in two parts, two times a month, I'm going to make it monthly podcast and do the whole thing in one. So the first Friday of every month, so the first Friday of January, you'll get Caroline Clark's interview, which is one to look forward to. For now, um, I want to wish you a very happy Christmas. Hope that it's very spooky. I hope that you get all the horror movies you asked for on the horror books you wished. And until next year, good day. <laughs>